Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. Well, I don't know about you, but I am the type of person who rushes to put away my Christmas tree as quickly as possible. As soon as all the presents are open and as soon as everybody's away doing their things, I just want to start taking it all down and putting it all up so that we can move on to the next thing. I don't like to linger in moments. I'm kind of like, all right, what's next? Let's move on. Let's get going. My guess is for some of you, you're the same way as your family was playing with their toys or sitting around talking and enjoying kind of the leisure of Christmas morning. You just want to start cleaning up. You get out the trash bag and start throwing away the wrapping paper and you kind of start shuffling people around and maybe taking down stockings. And if it was up to you and if it was okay with the rest of your family, you start boxing up ornaments and putting away all of the decorations. Just once you spend all of the effort and the energy to be in the moment and to celebrate the moment, you're ready to move on to the next moment. I think maybe this year of all the years, many of us are ready for what's next. That's probably the sentiment that I've heard most over the last several weeks is I just can't wait for 2021. I can't wait to end this year and get to the next year to have things start anew and to begin a brand new year. And I understand the sentiment, I understand where it comes from, but I think in it comes this secret kind of belief in the magic of January 1st, as if something magical and special is going to happen in our world, and all of the bad things are going to disappear, and all of the painful, and all of the hard, and all of the difficult is just going to go away just because we turn one page in the calendar. And while I understand, and while I sympathize, and while I'm inclined to want to move on to what's next as well, I think there's a risk in doing this. I think we miss out on something, maybe a little difficult, but we miss out on a gift that exists for the next several days. Kind of in this period after Christmas and before we start the new year, there's this period where the world maybe for the first time in a long time feels still. Maybe you're likely not as working as much. There's kind of this natural exhale, this natural kind of seasonality and rhythm to this week that we find ourselves in where we actually have the opportunity to rest. And I know for many of you, if you're like me, that much downtime and that much leisure and that much space and rest is sometimes a little unnerving. And sometimes it's a little difficult because it's in those moments where all of the emotions that maybe we don't allow ourselves to feel or we don't want to acknowledge or we don't want to contend with or have to sort out or work through, that's when all of those things start bubbling up. And so if we can stay busy, if we're like a shark and we can keep moving, then we don't have to deal with all of the stuff that maybe we've been kind of ignoring and trying to kind of pretend it doesn't exist and isn't there lurking inside of us in our heart and in our mind and in our soul. But I think it's really important for us as we look forward to this new year and as we kind of conclude this current year, and it has been quite a year, that I think we need to spend some time acknowledging the relationship between how this year has gone and how this new year will begin. See, for many of us, the natural approach is to kind of take this dichotomous view that it's kind of this year has been bad. We got to get rid of it. We got to move on from it. And then this new year that's coming is going to be good. And we kind of think in these absolutes, these black and whites, these warring opposites. This is a very common way to think about the world, to navigate and to frame the world that we live in, kind of in this Western society, is to think in terms of dichotomies. Good people, bad people, right people, wrong people, you know, 
red and blue and white hats, black hats, all of the different ways that we frame the world as, uh, as dualisms and dichotomies because it's just a simple way to understand how the world works. It's even kind of permeated some of the times the way that we look at Christmas. We talk about the light that has broken through the darkness and the darkness has not overcome the light, that they are opposites, darkness and light, and they are at war with each other. And in the person of God, that we find that the light has overcome the darkness and the darkness cannot defeat the light. And while there is an element of truth in that, I think it uh, fails to recognize the relationship that darkness and light have with each other. The relationship that bad and difficult and good and celebrated have with each other. I think sometimes we think in so many terms of dichotomies that we fail to recognize that there's often a deeper relationship at work between the things that we contend with and the things that we interact with in the world that it kind of lends us to thinking about our life in 2020 and the anticipation of 2021 and this you know, kind of dichotomy as well. And I don't think that that's something that's going to be helpful for us. I think it actually creates more problems and causes us to miss out on the opportunity that exists before us. And so just in a short amount of time this morning, I want us to walk through kind of this idea about the relationship between dark and light and what it might teach us about how we can leave 2020 and enter into 2021. You see, I kind of referenced kind of the way that we sometimes frame what's happening in the Christmas story is this battle between light and darkness. And it comes from the first chapter of the Gospel of John. Let me read it to you. Maybe you heard this at Christmas. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. Without Him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Now, the writer of the Gospel of John, heavenly, heavily influenced by kind of this Greek philosophical approach to view things in terms of absolutes and warring opposites, to think of life as a series of dichotomies, frames the beginning of the story of God entering into the world as a dichotomy between light and dark. But he tells it in this form that lends to kind of the original chapter of Genesis, this original poem taken out of the Hebrew scriptures from the Jewish faith tradition about how the world was created. What I think is so interesting is the way that the writer of John tells this version of the story, he fails to miss all of the relationship between dark and light. And I think that we're inclined as people to lean more towards the telling of John's version of the story as opposed to the version in Genesis. Uh, But I think that if we do that, it causes problems for us because what ends up happening when you frame things as dichotomies is anything that is related to the negative dichotomy, the dichotomy that you have framed as bad, you want to get rid of all of it. And so what ends up happening when we frame our life in terms of light and dark, is we look at it through the lens of that specific dichotomy, is anything that's bad, anything that's hard, anything that's uncomfortable or unpleasant or difficult, anything that makes us feel uneasy or uncertain or nervous or anxious or fearful, any of those kind of uh, unwelcomed emotions or experiences or seasons of life, we lump them all together as bad, as wrong, as something that we have to avoid, 
something that we need to move on from as quickly as possible, something that we shouldn't spend our time dealing with or that we need to move through uh, quickly so that we can get to the good things. That we sit in this place and we hope for new things to happen, for good things to happen in our life because we're in the midst of the bad and the bad we have framed or the difficult that we have framed is wrong. And I think that's what's happened as many of us reflect on the year that has been. We have summarized and categorized all of it as bad, as awful, as unwelcomed and unwanted and difficult. And there are a lot of parts about this past year that have been incredibly difficult. There have been a lot of moments that have been uh, anxiety-filled and fearful and tedious and exhausting and worrisome and some just unbelievably excruciating. And that's just the year in general. I know that for many of you, you have navigated seasons within this year that have been some of the most difficult of your life, filled with pain and sorrow and loss and grief and mourning, whether it's with a particular loved one and they're no longer with us, or it's the loss of a dream, a hope that you had about the way that your life was going to go. Maybe it was a career change or a significant impact to your career, and so now you're having to rethink kind of your plan and your dream and your expectations for what your life was going to look like with your family or your security and retirement and how that was going to look. For some of you, it's the loss of a relationship or series of relationships, a friendship, a relationship with a parent or a child or even with a significant other. For many of us, not only has 2020 been unbelievably difficult, but on top of that, we've had to navigate seasons that are incredibly painful as well. And so in many ways, it's kind of this compounding effect of all of the hard and uncomfortable and difficult and worrisome magnified because of everything that we're all going through, both collectively and individually. And so what happens when we frame our life in dichotomies is we assume that all of the difficult and all of the hard is bad. We attribute it and associate it with the darkness that Scripture speaks of in this particular passage in John. And we sit in this moment and we are hoping and waiting for the light of Christ to come in to illuminate all the dark and to get rid of all of the hard parts of our life. And while I think that day comes one day in the promise and the fulfillment of Christ returning, and I believe that's what Scripture says, I do think that it creates problems for us in the here and in the now, in the in-between and in the waiting because it lends us to believe in this version of Christianity where if God's doing his job and we're living the way that we're supposed to live, that we never have to experience seasons or moments of discomfort, of pain, of suffering, of hardship, of loss or grief or anxiety. And I don't think that's what scripture teaches us. But because we frame things in these dichotomies, then we attribute it to darkness and God's supposed to be light. And so these things can't have any relationship. The hard and difficult in our life can't have any relationship with God because they're associated with darkness and God's associated with light. And how are we going to navigate all of this? And where is God in the midst of this? And why is life as painful and as difficult and as frustrating and confusing as it is at times? And I think it's because of the way that we frame this dichotomy between dark and light, between the difficult and the hard in our life and in the good and the pleasant in our life. And so I actually want to point us back to the original story of the creation of the world, the version that the writer of John lends from, intentionally mirrors and copies, 
Because in it, I think it shows us a different way that we can look at the difficult seasons that we find ourselves in now, the difficult seasons that we have been in for the last year, and because there is nothing magical about January 1st, how it will allow us to navigate the difficult seasons that lie ahead. And they will lie ahead. I don't think everything goes back to normal on January 2nd. My guess is that we stay in a place that still feels difficult and confusing and hard and uncertain for the next several, I don't know how long. I don't want to predict. But it's not just going to magically change because the calendar changes. And even if it did magically change and everything went back to normal, we would inevitably come up against some new season in our life in the future that was hard or painful or scary or uncomfortable. And so I hope that with the rest of our time together this morning that we can find a new way to look at these moments that we find ourselves in and how they can set us up for something new that God is doing in our life. So let me read to you out of the very first chapter, the very first book of the Bible, these very first words that are framed as a poem, a poem to explain how everything happened, not to give a historical, literal account of the very first actions that happened in our world, but to help us understand the meaning and the beauty and the wonder behind all that happened in the very beginning. So this is what the writer of Genesis says. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep. And while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. So it begins to tell a picture of the original state of the world. The earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. Now, in the original Hebrew, that idea that the earth was a formless void is this understanding. It's, in Hebrew, it's tohu vavohu. It can be translated as this wild and waste, this kind of wasteland, this place of uncertainty and unknowing and of confusion and bewilderment. This is kind of the original state of the world filled with a lack of order. Chaos is another word for it. Just this place of uncertainty and confusion. And then it's out of this place that God begins to move and to act. So the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the, the face of the deep. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And see, I think what we have to remember is that light comes forth out of this place of uncertainty. It comes forth out of this place of darkness, this place of wilderness, of wasteland, of chaos and uncertainty and of confusion. And they're not juxtaposed as opposites. They're not juxtaposed as these warring factions that have to compete with one another in this cosmic battle and eventually either light is going to win or darkness is going to win. But really what we see here is that this darkness, this period of difficulty, of uncertainty, of unknowing, of confusion and chaos, it is the backdrop for, and it is the background and the setting for something new to happen in the world. It is the place in which God begins to do something anew, and that anew is the bursting forth of light. When God speaks and says, let there be light. And so in a sense, this darkness exists long before the light and is the place out of which light is birthed. 
It didn't say that there was this bright, luminous world and then God said, let there be light and there was more light. No, that wouldn't make sense. You need the juxtaposition of the dark and of the light. It's out of the darkness that light emerges because it needs the darkness as a period of rest, as a period of exhale, as a period of newness for something to be birthed or to be rebirthed again. The writer of Genesis goes on, And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And then listen to this. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Now that is not just kind of an accidental mistake in the ordering of how things go with the first day. From the very beginning, the writer of Genesis, telling us how the world was created, talks about this confused wilderness, this chaotic place, and then out of that chaos is birthed something new. And God names it light, and then the darkness he names night. And then the writer says very intentionally that there was evening and there was morning. And that constitutes the very first day. And I wonder if, because of the way that that sounds strange and funny to us in the ordering, that evening comes first and then we see morning, that it reflects and reveals a bit about the way that we understand how the world works. We think, we often think that the day begins with the morning, with the sun coming up. That's the way that we orchestrate our lives. That's the way that we think about how light should work, that the light exists until the light fades. And then when there's an absence of light, what we are left with is darkness, and the darkness is the thing that's uh, unavoidable but unfortunate because we, again, live in this dichotomy where we associate darkness with all things bad. Nothing good happens after midnight. Maybe your mother said that to you like she did to me. And so we associate these things into these two categories. But what we see in the writing of Genesis is that darkness and light, evening and morning, they are in relationship to one another. There was evening and there was morning the first day. There was a natural rhythm. There was a natural order to the way that this world was created. There is a natural rhythm and order to the way that our world works and to the way that our lives should work within it. See, what I think is available to us in the way that we look at 2020 is to look at 2020 as the evening, as this formless wild and waste, this tohu vavohu, this chaos and uncertainty and unknowing. And it's not that we're waiting for God to to get rid of all of the bad stuff and then we'll have what's left, which we call good. But that 2020 has been this year that has set us up for God to birth something new in our life, to birth something new in our community, to birth something new in our world. And so My question for you as you think about this past year, as you think about all of the difficult moments and you think about all of the hard moments and the troubling moments, the seasons that you wish you could have fast forward through, the moments that you wish that you could have wrapped up early and packaged up and put away and moved on to the next thing, the places that you didn't want to be in because they felt uncomfortable, because they felt hard, because you never felt like they were going to end. What if that was the opportunity that God was setting up for something new to happen? What if that was the backdrop that God was painting so that he could juxtapose it with what's next? 
And so as you think about all of the seasons that you've come out of, what if you framed them differently as opposed to just these bad things that you have to move through and move past and move beyond as we move into this new year? And what if you framed them as the birthing ground, as the cocoon or the womb, the incubation of what God is doing next in your life? And if that's the case, if these difficult moments were the places where you were able to take a moment to rest, to reflect, to reevaluate, to allow things that no longer served you to fall away, to reimagine a new way of doing things, to lose old rhythms and old habits and old relationships, to find maybe a new in yourself of who you are and who you're becoming and what it means to be fully you in the way that God has called you. In the process of all of that old dying and falling away that feels painful and scary and uncertain, a bit chaotic and unpredictable. If that was what was happening over the last year and over the seasons that you've navigated recently, what's next? What new thing is God going to bring into your life? What new thing is God going to birth into your life? What new thing is God waiting and wanting and going to do next in your life? What lays ahead of you in 2021? What new area? What new experience? What new version of yourself? What new reality? What new rhythm? What new patterns of behavior? What new relationships and interactions? What new experiences is God wanting and waiting to do in your life? See, my friends, I don't think we should rush ahead to 2021 just yet. There is still time for us to allow 2020 to work itself through. To recognize that this is a moment where we get to relax and rest and to reevaluate, to look back on all that has been, all of the difficult moments, all of the moments that felt dark and bad and wrong, and to remember that maybe over the last year we've become somebody new during them. We found a new way to operate in the world. We have found a new set of values or priorities. We've reclaimed a new dream for our lives, for our families, for our relationships. You see, 2020 is not all bad. It is not this dichotomy of right and wrong, good and bad, dark and light, that we need to get rid of 2020 so that we can move on to 2021. What if 2020 in all of the painful ways and all of the hard ways has actually been a gift, an opportunity for us to experience something new in this new year, to step into a new season and a new opportunity for something new to be birthed in our life? I think it's the case for us. And what I would challenge you to do over these next several days is begin to spend time in prayer, to begin to spend time in reflection and kind of pondering and wondering and navigating all that you've come through and maybe what that is setting you up for next. You see, in the midst of the darkness, we lean into hope. Hope that this darkness will not last forever. And hope is a good thing. As Christians, we are people of hope, but we are not just people of hope. Because as the darkness begins to fade and as light begins to emerge and something new happens, we move from a place of hope to a place of knowing. 
to a place of knowing that God is with us, knowing that God is present in our lives, knowing that God is doing something new. And so, in the days that remain in this year, I hope that you will begin to evaluate, to discern, and to identify, and then to know what new God is doing in your life. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this year, for all of it. It has been really hard. It has been lonely and painful and scary and frustrating, exhausting and worrisome and wearisome. God, it's been all the adjectives, every single one. And on top of that, there have been seasons for many of us that were unbelievably difficult maybe the most difficult in our entire lives, seasons that we thought we would never find ourselves in. And yet, through all of this, God, you were doing something. You are at work in our life. Not that you are the cause of the difficulty and the suffering and the hardship that we face, but that you are at work with us in it, bringing about something new. So God, help us to discover and to realize the new thing that you are birthing in our life. And help us to claim it with excitement, with anticipation, and with hearts full of faith and confidence in this new year. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.